This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, diamond, diamond. Experience! Welcome to another episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and if you haven't yet, be sure to check out last week's episode where I had the pleasure of chatting with producer and fellow podcaster, Scott DuPont. It was a really eye-opening conversation, and if you have questions about uh, how to find financing for your movie, definitely go back and check out last week's episode, and be sure to watch his documentary, Movie Money Confidential. You can find the link to that in the show notes of last week's episode. But for this week, we're going to be talking with camera operator Steve Matzinger. And I was really excited to chat with him because I don't really get to discuss what goes into camera operating and really the camera department as a whole on this podcast. So it was great getting to pick his brain and learn about all the different responsibilities for different members of the camera department, how he got into the film business and Steve's been in the industry for over 30 years and has worked on, you know, movies and shows back in the 90s, uh, as well as more current shows like Westworld, Ray Donovan. His resume is really impressive, and you should check out his IMDb page and see that for yourself. But as I said, it was great to, to pick his brain uh, about what goes into uh, the camera department on a film and TV set. So it was really eye-opening conversation for me and hopefully it is for you as well. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Steve Matzinger. Here with my very special guest this week, cinematographer Steve Matzinger. Steve, how are you? Very good. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, yeah, for sure. And I've been really excited to, to have you on the show because out of all the different filmmaking topics that I usually discuss, you know, like directing, acting, screenwriting, very rarely do I get to discuss cinematography and what goes into working the camera. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for taking your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. You know, let me make a distinction here a little bit. I am a cinematographer, but I'm also I'm more I've now become a camera operator. So there's really a, there is a distinction there. Uh, I've specialized more in camera operating now. OK, fantastic. And we'll, yeah. we'll definitely get into that, you know, as the conversation sure. goes on. Uh, but I always like to start with this because there's not a how-to guidebook on how people get into the industry that people you know, come from all over the world and they have their own pathway on how they got there. So what is your story? How did you get into the film industry? Well, um, I think I was lucky because I didn't want to get into the film business. There was no, you know, like, uh, I have a friend who's in the business with me and he knew he wanted to be in camera. He thought he wanted to be a first assistant cameraman since he was 12 years old. I didn't have that. My brother did, though. My brother wanted to be, uh, he studied photography. He had a dark room in the basement. He loved cinema. He made movies, the eight millimeter movie thing at, at, you know, at a young age and 
I would be his actor or, but I was always constantly as his actor say, well, shouldn't you put the camera over there? And, but I didn't really, you know, I was like, all right, well, it's his movie or whatever. I'll, I'll do whatever he wants, you know, and, and uh, sort of backseat driving him a little bit. But I say I was lucky because I think that I was open to anything that happened. When I did get in the business, I was open to whatever, whatever happened to me was going to be fine. I didn't have a, I need to be a director. I need to be a writer. I need to be a whatever. And I think that can stifle people like they're not, I'm not becoming a director. I'm not becoming a writer. I, 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 you know, and then they, then they just fall out of the business. I was sort of like, yeah, I'll do, I'll carry cases. I'll wash, you know, whatever. I'll do craft service, whatever it is. I'm happy to be here. I, uh, what happened was I, uh, uh, actually an uncle, it's nepotism, uh, an uncle-in-law, my wife's uncle, uh, was in the business. I got out of art school. I did go to school for art. I was in school for illustration and I was working at a graphic design house, uh, doing just layout and simple things like that. And her uncle was working on movies and that sounded fun. And I thought, well, maybe I can help my brother. He, he, he offered me to come in and work as a PA, uh, with the, with the camera crew. And I thought, well, maybe if I go in there, I'll meet some people and I can show my brother, tell him how to, cause he had just gotten graduated from San Francisco in, with a degree in film and knew, had no idea how, what, what to do. Uh, and here I had this opportunity maybe of, of, so anyway, I got on and, but I loved being on set and, uh, I liked a lot more than being at the drawing, uh, table and, uh, I just kept going. And, uh, like I said, I didn't have a direction. I didn't want to be a cinematographer. I didn't want to be anything. I just wanted to be there on set with all these wonderful people. So I, uh, continued on and my brother didn't like it. He didn't like the hours, the long hours. And I got him on as a PA later on after a couple of years of getting my feet on the ground and, and kind of making my way in there i got him some work and he just didn't like it he he wanted to be the director he wanted to continue to write and make movies and that's a huge task for anyone and i don't think he he was he finally realized he couldn't do that either he didn't want to do that he didn't want to do what it took to to become a a director or a writer or, or a filmmaker in that on that level so uh, that's how I got in. I got in through my wife's uncle, and then I kept going and from there. And I tell other people that that are trying to get in, it isn't it isn't getting in. They they do get you your foot in the door, but you've got to keep going. And and it's the after they get you in, you got to keep working at it because it it's never ending. Now, thirty three years later. I still don't know where my next job is coming from and I'm still working to get that next job as though it's my first job. So, Well, and to backtrack a little bit on something you said at, at the beginning of the answer, I think it's great that you in a way fell into what you were doing. Like you didn't have a, a almost tunnel vision. Like I have to do this. Like I have to direct or I have to act because even if you do, you might find something that, you know, you're, better at that you might be more drawn to it, it's better to keep your options open and try to learn as much as you can about whatever it is you know on set whether it's directing uh, being ad you know camera operator in your case because you if you're so tunnel visioned your pro chances are you're probably not going to like what it is like you mentioned you know with your brother uh, realizing that you know there were a lot of long hours and it's just a constant grind after grind after grind 
So I that that's I'm glad you said that because I tell people the same thing. Like I I had no idea that you know I wanted to direct until I tried it, and I loved mm-hmm. doing it. So that's kind of more what I'm pursuing is for, instead of you know other things. Yeah, and I feel the same way even as I got in the business. Then here I was on set on some pretty big movies, and of course I'm a visual person. I went to school for art and illustration and painting and my, uh, and so I had, you know, I, I think you must, and many, many, many people, any visual person does has the movie playing in their life as you're driving down the street and you hear the music and you're like, ah, I got to make a movie of this. And I of course had that too, you know, I was like, but, and I thought, well, as I'm this, the young guy in the business, I'm thinking, well, I could, I would love to direct a movie. That would be so cool. And, and I, pursued that for a while but i realized no I, I that's not me i just cannot be that director i'm not a director there's there's more to it than just driving down the road listening to music and seeing some cool thing and thinking up a scene as it's happening uh there's so much more that i'm not qualified to do uh, i'm qualified to help directors find their vision and i think i add a lot to that and because i do have a sense of it and that is really what the camera operator that's really what the director does is they're everyone's everyone's answering to the story the director is answering to a story i'm answering to this to the director and the story uh and the craft service guy is answering to everyone trying to get that story let's hey let's give them fuel we need we need to help these guys get along we we need to help ourselves get this whole thing done so we can all go home and have a good weekend uh but we're all answering to the story and and so i think you're right when you don't have you're allowed to make paths along the way you might be a happier person in life you know yeah and and you may end up at the same destination but the journey is different right i thought oh directing and then i come around and i did direct a couple little things but they they were fun to do it because i knew they weren't my career choice sort of like pushing dolly it's fun to do if you don't have to do it for a living and it's fun to do if you're doing it i don't mean to say anything about dolly grips it's fun to do then too, but everything becomes a job. Cinematography is a job. Directing is a job. It all ultimately becomes a job. And, but it's fun to do it. If it isn't your job necessarily, sometimes that makes sense. And it's like an analogy that I use on the show just about every week that a film is like a machine and all the different jobs like director all the way down to craft services and PA are cogs in the machine. And they all have to work together to service the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So a few questions about camera operating specifically, and and this is, these are things that I've been learning myself as I've, you know, I've directed a couple of shorts and I've worked on a couple of other ones as well and really learning more about the the different positions and what those roles entail. Um, What would you say is the difference between say like a first and second assistant camera or ac uh you mean well the the camera department that like it's it's such a machine on a on a bigger picture big movie uh you know uh a big budget movie or a big budget television show it's such a machine you need people helping out along the way and so you in a camera department you have your cinematographer or your director of photography then you have your camera operator then you have a first assistant, a second assistant, and then you have either a loader, which was more of a term for film days, or a digital utility. Now they have 
that for sometimes they have a loader slash digital utility. It's down there is sort of uh, the the people taking care of the media, you right? Know? Uh, so, and again, all these people are servicing the the story, and they're all servicing the vision. And so the cinematographer is working directly with the director to get a look, a mood, you know, visual mood, a visual storytelling, along with the narrative storytelling. The camera operator is helping that uh, cinematographer and actually working the camera and pointing it and, you know, framing up, helping to choose what tool might be best to achieve that shot. Would it be on a crane? You know, even though it might be a low thing, but if we're on a crane and we're scraping the ground, a crane might, a techno crane might work better or a, a techno crane up in the air or just a regular jib arm might be better, whatever. He's helping to, to decide those things with the cinematographer and then also uh, then actually operates those and works to coordinate with the dolly grips and the even the gaffer and the key grip helping to just set the shot and being another voice on set, another set of ears on set to help uh, achieve those shots. The first assistant works is more of a technical position, although you have to be an artist with focus. Uh, you might call it a technical position, but really if you, if you have a great focus puller, he is an artist and a, and a great focus puller will decide focus, you know, for, racking between dialogue he'll know how to rack and when to rack on a head turn and, and focusing back and he'll do it just at the right time not now but you know maybe now or when when it really works in the shot and also where to play focus if it's a wide shot on the back of someone's head uh walking into say the wrestler walking into that scene is, is the focus on the back of the head is the focus deep he'll coordinate with the director what the feeling of the shot is supposed to be so that, that first assistant will also be in charge of hiring his the, the camera crew and uh, helping to decide those shots and focus and any gear, like maintaining the gear and maintaining the cameras. And that's then the second assistant, a good second runs the crew as well. And uh, a good loader or digital utility will also uh, be taking care of the media. So that's sort of the breakdown of the camera department. That, yeah, and it, it's it's fascinating because you know I, I I had no idea that that much goes into like a first assistant or a second assistant. It's almost like you know the cog is the cinematographer, and then all these other smaller cogs are you know branch off of that. It's it's really fascinating, and I imagine especially with you know unloading media, it has to be at a, a really efficient pace. Otherwise, you're you know, you're wasting time. Oh yeah. It's it. And, and when I started, it was in the days of film and we'd have all this film coming in and they mags and you'd unload it in the dark and, and you're responsible for a day's worth of, of filming, you know, a hundred thousand dollar day or whatever it is now. I don't even know. And uh, you don't want to flash that film and ruin the day's production. So you're and you, but yet you've got to turn it over and go quick and get it back out there, the mag back out there and put it on the camera and all that. So it's yes, there's and that's why you have not just a, a cinematographer, a lone man with a camera out on a mountaintop shooting things. You need help with all this heavy gear and you need help on a big camera to pull focus. And uh, it's not autofocus. It, someone actually needs to do it. And I, I think that's part of what I say. I was lucky not to know anything about the film business or not. 
I was lucky not to have a direction in the film business because I think there's a lot of students and it makes sense. You're in film school. You're, uh, you're the film schools. I mean, you know, as a young age, you're, you're thinking director. Maybe some people think cinematographer. Certainly people think about writing, acting. But those are the four basic things you think about movie making when you're going to college and you're trying to pick what are you going to do with your life. And uh, so you don't know that a first assistant ex exists, a camera operator exists, a, a key grip, a gaffer, those other jobs that are wonderful careers. You know, uh, dolly grip is a wonderful career. Uh, uh, Gaffer is a wonderful career. It's a very artistic career, a gaffer. Uh, and so uh, if you were in film school and you understood that a gaffer can be a, a re very re rewarding, creative career, you many students might go towards that and, and try and become a gaffer. Uh, but people don't know. They don't understand. And the schools don't teach them. And that, and that, but that's acceptable. I mean, I don't think you've only got a limited time. And maybe that's it's no one's fault that doesn't exist it's just the way it is and and that's you know but as you get in the business you start to realize oh okay i don't necessarily i can have a great career as a first assistant many guys do uh continue on and retire as a first assistant and again those are guys i know guys that started off as cinematographers and ended up uh working as first assistant cameramen to the Till they retired and they had wonderful careers and they were wonderful first assistants because they understood what what the cinematographer on a you know on a uh, David Fincher movie needs or what the cinematographer on a uh, Spielberg movie needs they they get it they know it and so as a first assistant they're right there helping out uh, making suggestions doing things that the cinematographer doesn't even know that they did to help out the process and make that machine that I call it, you call it a machine, I call it a big train because I feel like it's, you know, here's the, 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 the director pulling this thing in the next car and starts going, the next one starts to go. And it's all just trying to get this thing up the hill and get it done. And uh, each train, if it had a little motor in it to help it along, Mike, and that's what a good first assistant, a good dolly grip, uh, inv invaluable. No, absolutely. And it's it's great to have, you know, a great director of photography, a good cinematographer. But if you have, like you said, a good first AC and so on and so forth, that can be just as invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. And they always say that, too, as you're moving up the first thing. So I got into business and I was working just as a, a camera loader and a second assistant and really enjoying myself. But I thought, oh, OK, I, the directing thing and the cinematographer thing. So I shoot little weekend projects and, and talk to people and they'd say, just get a good gaffer, get a good key grip, a good dolly grip, a good first assistant, get those four guys around you. And you, you don't even, you, you don't have to worry about it. They're going to help you out and you'll have a great look. And so if you do that, it just really, they'll, they'll watch out for you. If you get those four guys around you or, or everyone around you, uh, they'll watch out for you. And everyone wants to make good, everyone I've come into contact in this business there's no one that's trying to sabotage someone. Everyone's trying to do good by other people. They're, they're really very, just a helpful minded community of people that want to get everything the best. And they have pride in their own, uh, their own job and pride in the whole project, any project they work on. 
Well, and the more successful other people are, the more successful the business in general is going to be, which means more work. Sure. Right. Absolutely. It, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier working in film and now working with digital. Um, what have been some other, say, big changes from when you started in the industry to how the industry is now? Hmm. That's a good question. And, and I don't know. Uh, maybe on a technical side, there's things, um, you know, I, I do vividly remember that those first very first days, some older guys going, oh, the business has changed. Boy, oh boy, back when I was in, oh boy. This. And I've caught myself on occasion saying that and uh, other people saying, and I'm like, has it really changed or is it the same? And I'm just older and and uh, I don't know if I'm more bitter or more just whatever tired or of the grind or whatever it is. Um, so it's still the same in general as far as just getting the movies made and the people and the job sets. Uh, the technology has helped a lot. Um, we, you know, some basic things have changed. You know, certainly the gear has changed. The cameras have changed. For the first assistant these days, and I, and I think I think of editors a lot when that whole digital thing came through. You know, they had to they kept buying different machines, and 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 post production just changed so rapidly. It must, it, you know, I, I I'm not involved in post, and I don't know, but I think of those that as being huge in the change. The camera changed, and I was a first assistant when the cameras were changing, going digital, and I remember going to meetings and like learning what HD is, high definition, and, and all the different parts of HD. And I think now I'm not, I'm a camera operator and I don't have to deal with that as much. I am glad I was a first assistant when that happened because I learned what everything that was going on. But now it's certainly on a, cinema, on a big level movie cinematography, you need to know as much as possible and any high level Chivo or Rodrigo Prieto, those guys, they know everything about the cameras and they know everything about the lighting. That's their job and they learn it and they, they, they keep on top of it. Uh, and they need to because they're trying to do little nuances in their cinematography that makes, makes it special and more and more beautiful. As a camera operator, I try and stay on top of it as much as possible, but I, it's not necessary for my job. Um, but the, the first assistant then has to stay on top because he's prepping these cameras. So it's, I'd say it's harder for a first assistant nowadays than, than it was when it was film. When I was doing it as a film assistant, film, it was a very simple mechanical uh, machine and there weren't, wasn't, electronics were not involved. And so prepping the electronics of a, of a camera just adds another level. You're prepping the machine of the camera and you're prepping the electronics of the camera. So it's another level, another, and you're, and of course production doesn't want to give you any more days to prep it. Uh, so they're just under the gun a little bit more and focus is a little bit more critical. It can be sharper. And so pulling focus on a digital big uh, sensor, digital camera can be a little more challenging. I think it's easier as an operator to operate a digital camera. They're just ergonomically a little easier, but it sure is fun to op still operate film cameras, which I do on 
not pretty regular regularly film is still used uh, at least on the level i'm working on it's still used fairly often and it's fun to watch the shutter moving as you're operating a shot and you're watching some epic something epic in front of you unfold and you you have that noise of the mag right next to your ear and the shutter is moving and it, it's wonderful that's a good feeling oh i'm sure I'm absolutely sure. Um, so as we start to wrap up here, I did want to also ask you, because you've worked in both film and in television, what's the biggest difference between the two? Or, or as a camera operator, are the jobs essentially the same? They are similar, I would say, in film on a big... It depends, and everything, it just depends on each project. But if I was going to just boil it down on film... If you're working for some like someone like Rodrigo Prieto or or, or a, a really quality high big name cinematographer, it is their vision. You're you are executing their vision, and so you try as hard as you can to listen to what they want and do as they say. And you're not adding your personal. You 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 do. Of course, you have to add your own personal. Uh, creative elements to it, but more you're trying to trying to trying to execute for them their their vision, w which they're trying to execute the director's vision. I uh, and the story vision uh, on a television show. The time you don't have the time to to lay out everything and prep a movie for six months and really figure out the look and the moves and everything. On television, things are happening very quickly, so the operator has to contribute creatively a little bit more and i like working in television because i get to uh, contribute creatively a lot more than i do on big features uh as as a camera operator i'm working directly with the director more and with this with the, the director of photography more but i'm also have autonomy to like move and change the shot and do what i need to do to get the shot going and make it more make it better uh, I, they just isn't the time for the cinematographer to really lay down the shot. Then you execute the shot. The shots aren't as big and complicated because there's just not the budget. So you're really just working with limited, a little bit small. Nowadays, television is pretty big and the tools are about the same. But uh, so, but I'd say maybe execution versus creativity. That film has more, as an operator, you're more, and execution and television maybe a little more create creatively input maybe i i never would have guessed that and that's kind of the recurring thing that you know in talking with directors actors and others who have worked in both the the thing they all say is the the time like you don't have as mm -hmm. much time when in tv but that's, that's interesting that you almost have more creative input on something that has more time constraints that's interesting yeah, yeah, you just have to. Everyone has to pitch in more to get that train up the hill. So you, you know, I'm I'm pushing the train a little harder to get, you know, from my my little corner of the of the production. I'm pushing a little harder. The, uh, you know, it, it, but you know, also like execution on a big feature, you have to do it like they want. When they say hit hit this mark, do this thing, the really great Scott Sakamoto's of 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 the big feature world. He's a, he's a great camera operator. He is, he puts his creative mark on it for sure. Cause he's so good, 
but he also executes so well. And so he is just one of the top, someone, some, you know, that, that just can do exactly what they want, but also can also add his elements to it and, and maybe even have a conversation with them and say, well, if we did this, this can achieve what you want, but only better. And, and, and he's invaluable on a big feature. Whereas uh, I don't even have to have those, com- I don't even get to have those conversations on TV. It's just moving so quickly. I just, I just do it. And hopefully they like it or they don't. If they like it, they're like, oh my God, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was hoping would happen. And if they don't like it, then, you know, you're just, <laughs> they're disappointed and you're like, all right, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I was trying something, you know? Well, you never know unless you try it. That's right. That's right. Uh, so what, what's next for you? Uh, you, uh, you've worked in film and TV. Do you have like multiple projects you're working on at the moment? No, my, as a camera operator, you're pretty much one project at a time. Uh, you're part of a, you know, the crew. Um, and I'm on a show right now, a Netflix show, uh, and it's a new show. So you wouldn't have, wouldn't even know what it would be. Um, and so I have that and that goes, and that's my, job is i i started uh, about two weeks ago uh working all nights and then i uh, continue on and go till june for sure uh they might get picked up or whatever till september not sure yet and that's all i have on my horizon is till june that's what i know i'm going to be working till june and uh, hopefully after that, I'll never be, as they always say, I, I'm never going to work again. You know, at the end of June, I feel like I've been doing it for 33 years. And at, every time at the end of the show, I'm like, well, I'll never work again. I, I have nothing. No one's going. And then someone seems to call me and I seem to continue on. So well, that's, that's a good thing, uh, though. It is a great thing. It's just it can get again after 33 years, it can get a little bit like, all right, I'm tired of this. Couldn't, couldn't I have a job that just lasted uh the entire time. And, 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 you know, I retire, I retire at 60 something and say, Hey, that was a great career, but you know, uh, it's fun though. It's, yeah. it's a challenge. It's fun. Yeah. As long as you're still having fun. That's, that's, the yes, it, that's the important it thing. It is a fun, it's really is a, a wonderful, fun job to have for sure. Do you have a website or social media you'd like to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you? Uh, I used to, and I let it go. <laughs> I let my website go. I, 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 it, they kept sending me warnings and saying your your website's gonna gonna go down, and I never I never followed through on it. Uh, but IMDb, you can look me up on IMDb, IMDb and uh, that's it. I don't have a I don't I don't have a. But if anyone wants a camera operator, cinematographer, look me up, and I think there's a way to contact me out there. Uh, Steve Matzinger at me dot com. You can if, if you have any more questions, someone has questions, they want to uh, feel free to to email me. Fantastic. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat. This was great. My pleasure, Derek. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you again to Steve Matzinger for that awesome conversation. Be sure to check out his IMDb page to read his extensive resume and the projects he's worked on throughout his 30 plus year career. And we're actually going to have him back on the show in the future to do a follow up because there are some topics that you know, we didn't touch on or barely even scratch the surface on. So if you enjoyed this, uh, we will get him back on the show uh, at some point in the future. 
For next week's show, I'll be chatting with actor and director Brandon McElmore. He'll be on the show to talk about his film Dark Entities, which will be released on April 14th. So be sure to come back for that fun episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. Or if you want a one-stop shop, to find social media information where you can subscribe to the podcast, links to the YouTube channel, head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. Everything is in one central location, makes it so much easier. Linktree is such a great invention. I wish I had invented it. But yeah, head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And if you could, please leave a review. Uh, The more reviews I get, the more visible the show becomes uh, to those who are searching for podcasts about filmmaking or just entertainment in general. Uh, It really does help. So if you could leave a review, I would very much appreciate it. But that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you once again to Steve Matzinger. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Monday for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. (laughs) 